I'm so sorry that you're no longer live streaming. I would like my home church to see this. <laughs> they just were very quiet and say, oh. <laughs> the teaching text this morning is from Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24. One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I love it. It's like a, a family reunion today. So, so cool. Yeah, it's so good to be with you. Thank you so much for letting me come back. Oh, it, it feels like I never left. Just a good, a good feeling. Yeah, don't, don't forget these prayer cards. Definitely please use them because these, if you are new here, uh, this is the people of prayer. And so just a little plug for that. Um, so... In college, uh, I was mentored by a woman named Ellen, and uh, I just want you to imagine like a short, spunky little thing. She was always running late, but thoughtful. She, if they had those t-shirts back then, that's what she would have, late, but thoughtful. Um, and she would say, she had this phrase that maybe to some people was annoying, but I thought it was really fun. She'd be like, tons of fun. Everything, everything to Ellen was tons of fun. Um, but in the super quiet moments when you really got to know her, there was a depth about her and her fate that I had never witnessed. Um, and it didn't take long before I was just like, Ellen, like, I, I, I kind of want to be like you. Because this is the thing about Ellen, every morning, because she took discipleship very seriously. So a lot of us girls would have, you know, we'd hang out with her all the time. We'd have sleepovers. We just, we were always at her house. And um, so I know that every single morning before her feet hit the ground, she would rub the sleep out of her eyes and reach for her Bible and she'd read a Psalm every morning. And she's probably still doing that today. And that's the woman that I got to watch for four years as I was going through college. And so it wasn't too long into that four years that I did say like, how do I do that? How do I be like you? And then she looked at me like, oh, Lynn, I love your heart. The Lord loves your heart. And then she just said, in true Ellen fashion, she quoted a scripture and she was like, the beginning of, or the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now, um, that was really frustrating to me because I wanted direction, I wanted a how-to, a recipe would have been really nice, like do this, this, and this, and then you will, <laughs> you will be following me. Um, but she didn't. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of, of wisdom. And uh, I didn't get that then, um, but what she was doing is quoting me Solomon who said that if you want the wisdom of God, you need to be in awe and wonder of the person of Jesus and then just keep doing that again and again. Um, I was asking for knowledge, but what my heart really was longing for was wisdom. Now, Proverbs can be a little frustrating like that. I think. Um, uh, Ryan touched on that. I was able to listen to that podcast. If you haven't listened to the launch of the series, please go back and do that on podcast. It is, uh, it was so good. It was such a beautiful picture and overview of the Proverbs, but um, it can be really frustrating because it's poetic 
and it's filled with imagery. It's not, but, it, but also it's not just like a poetry anthology of how to live in God's design. It, it is that, definitely that, but it's also like a map, a poetic <laughs> um, picture kind of map. Um, one that if you follow it to its core, you will find the heart of Jesus um, and you'll find his kingdom. Now, I've just discovered I'm late to the game. And if you're not, if you haven't joined, I highly recommend it. But I'm, I'm kind of new to the series, The Chosen. Do we know this? Chosen? Okay. Um, if you haven't, it's a, it's a series about Jesus and the life of his followers. Um, and I've been absolutely just... Uh, just in awe of how the spirit has moved through that. But anyway, plug for that. Like that and then Ted Lasso and then whatever else you want to write um, or whatever else you want to watch. Um, but there's a moment where in, in uh, one of the episodes, and I hope this isn't spoiling it too much, but Jesus is writing his uh, intro to the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes that we know it now. And he says, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the meek, blessed are the peacemakers. And he looks at his disciples and he goes, this is a map. If you want to find me, look for those people. Look for those people. And I feel like uh, Proverbs is kind of like that too. If you want to know um, like the heart and the values of God and the heart of Jesus, like look at Proverbs. Now, even though that scene and that, that whole show is kind of like a reimagined, uh, ultimately a reimagined um, reality, there is truth to it because the Proverbs are similar and they do point us to the person of Jesus, who he is and what's important to him. Um, it offers contrasting pictures as Ryan explained last week, oftentimes in these little short couplets, like if this, then this, like do this and you'll have this kind of life, do that and something else will follow. Um, usually it's, uh, it kind of offers up what it means to live wisely and then the consequences of living foolishly. And many of these contrasting couplets, like the one that we will dive into today, use phrases like but or yet. And um, I think this is the way that the author is telling us, hey, pay attention, because there are forces at odds with the kingdom. And these Proverbs reveal that. Like on one side of the proverb is the kingdom of God, and the other side is the kingdom of this world. There's wisdom or folly, righteousness or wickedness, good or evil, permanence or transition, peace or idolatry, friendship versus enemies, God versus man. It's the kingdom of the world versus the kingdom that will never end. And that's what I believe can be found if we really dig deep in the Proverbs. Why well, I'm so excited you guys are going through this series this summer. Um, so before we dig into the one today that Meg's mom read so beautifully, uh, I would love to pray for us. Father, we give this time to you. My ultimate prayer is that you would open our hearts to whatever the Spirit is already saying and already doing in this place. Would you lead us closer to you in whatever way that looks like today? Would you open our hearts? Would you soften them to your word and your truth and your spirit by leading us to Jesus? In your name I pray, amen. Okay, so we are taking on Proverbs eleven twenty four today. One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. 
So as we look into this proverb, I actually wanna tell you some stories, uh, three stories to be exact. A story about a widow, a story about a lawyer, and a story about a little church. So what they all have in common though is that they all freely gave. They all embody this proverb. Um, and what I want you to listen for in these stories is how they gave, not just out of abundance. When they gave, when they seemingly had nothing left to give. And as I pondered and prayed over this proverb, I had a feeling that this wasn't just about like um, financial generosity, though it could be, and if God is speaking to your heart on that matter, then take that seriously. But I really believe that he wants to talk, us, talk to us about giving of our whole lives, of ourselves. Um, not just money, but the pre precious resources that we have, like time or faithfulness, our very lives, especially when our culture would have us do the very opposite, especially in this city. So the question today that I want us to think about is how do we give when our instinct is to keep? So let's dive in. So I wanna tell you a story about a widow. I love the story of Elijah, but this story about the widow was kind of new to me this year and I have not been able to get it off of my mind. Um, <laughs> you gotta love a Leslie smile when you look down. She's just beaming at you. Hi, Liz. <laughs> Oh man, so let's talk about this widow. So to set it up, um, there is a drought in the land. And uh, you know, to be really honest, Elijah himself prophesied this drought. He's guys, our arch enemy is uh, King Ahab, not following the ways of Jesus. So he says, hey, there's gonna be a, a drought in the land and a famine in the land. Well, he's not too popular after this prophecy. So he heads out of town, but God does take care of him. He is refreshed by a brook. He's fed by ravens. I like to imagine what that must have looked like, but he, this happens for a time, but because there is a drought, there's been no rain, that brook eventually dries up. And so the Lord speaks to Elijah and, he, and he's giving him direction on where to go next. And so when you pick up uh, here in 1 Kings 17, God's directing him on those next steps. So you can read along with me, starting in verse seven. So sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food and so he went, he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so that I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, oh, oh yeah. And can you bring me please a piece of bread? As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread. I only have a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering, stick, I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and to make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Now imagine this woman, and in my mind, she has portioned out everything she's had, like, and only given little bits at a time every day just to get her to this day. And she's going out, she's gathering sticks, probably for the fire, and she's gonna make her last meal. They're gonna starve and they're gonna die. So here comes the prophet and he goes, can you, can you give me some water? So they're like, that's okay, sure, she'll, she can offer some water. And he goes, oh yeah. Um, and can you also give me some cake? 
even, even though she just has told him, this is all I have left, this is my last meal, and he has the audacity. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do, as you have, and do as you've said, but first make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me, and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. So you know this woman has probably like truly just <laughs> come to the end of herself and thinking what in the world? However, something else has happened in this scripture that I cannot ignore. When God directs Elijah to go to Sidon, he says, I have directed a woman. No, I'm not uh, an expert in Hebrew or Greek. I sure wish I, I were at this point, but it does seem like it's past tense. And we don't see that, we don't hear, we don't overhear. They don't expound on what that conversation was like, but I have to imagine maybe an angel of the Lord came to this widow, maybe the Lord himself spoke to her, but that conversation has already been had. And she must have been grapple, grappling with that, like what am I gonna do when the time comes? And the time has come. God knew her story, her circumstances and her lack, and yet he actually asked, actually commands rather, for her to give to Elijah. And so she does. Again, I would love to talk to this widow, but ultimately she believes and she does it. This story of faith would be so um, impressed. I, th I, th I think this, this story was probably told amongst the heavens because it made such an impression on Jesus that when he was talking about faith, he quoted that widow. Now let's talk about the lawyer. I just got back from a week in South Carolina and so every time I say lawyer, it's different. It's either lawyer or lawyer. And I cannot, I can't reconcile that. I should have just said attorney, but lawyer. <laughs> but here we go. L lawyer. <laughs> okay, so Mr. Spafford was a lawyer. He was a prominent one, actually, in uh, Chicago. And he gave to his local church. He had friends who were just going into the ministry. He offered uh, donations often to his friend. Uh, but tragedy struck Mr. Spafford's young family. First, he lost his young son to scarlet fever. And then about a year later, there was a great Chicago fire, and it nearly wiped out his business. So they were due for a Sabbath. They were due for a vacation. This was, this was a hard few years for the Spafford family. Now, his friends that he uh, were supporting had gone over to the UK and they were doing some preaching. And so Mr. Spafford's like, you know what? I think the family should go over there. He had four daughters, four young daughters and his wife. And he says, let's go over to the UK. Let's visit our friends who are preaching. Let's take a nice vacation. I think it's time. But he still had some loose ends to tie up with his business, so he sends over his wife and his four daughters on a transatlantic voyage over to England. Um, and he was like, you know what, I'm gonna catch the next boat after you, I just have to you know, finish some things with the business. So his wife and his daughters go over, except somewhere between here and there, that boat went down. All four of his daughters were lost. The wife somehow survived and she made it to Liverpool and sent word and she simply said, saved alone, saved alone. All was lost. 
For Horatio Spafford, it was loss on loss on loss. So he does get on the next boat over to Liverpool to meet his wife, but somewhere uh, in the Atlantic, in the spot where they had thought that the boat had gone down, he had the captain stop. And it's there that we think that he got the inspiration. We know that he got the inspiration for a song that a lot of you know and love. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrow like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, he's taught me to say it's well with my soul. That's the writer of that song. Can you imagine writing that song days after losing your family? It is well with my soul. Now, uh, Horatio Spafford's life would not be without more tragedy, um, <clears throat> certainly. However, uh, he would go on. And not only would he go on, but he would help on the Eastern Front during the First World War. And then he would move over with his wife. Uh, and they did have another child, another daughter after that. They would move to Jerusalem and set up soup kitchens, hospitals, and orphanages for communities in the, the Christian communities, Muslim communities, and Jewish communities in Jerusalem. And he would do that for the rest of his life. He would give when seemingly what did he have left? Now a church. So the third and final story I want to tell you is about a tiny little church in a place called Macedonia. It could be multiple small churches in Macedonia. So what I want you to do is to imagine a few churches that might meet in the back of a bodega in the South Bronx or might meet in these tiny little buildings um, in rural America. Uh, a hodgepodge of congregants, none of them with super reputable jobs or consistent salaries, but they are consistent in one thing, and that is going to church every time the doors are open. They show up to pray for one another. They show up to take care of one another's needs. They show up to uh, care for one another. They have been so struck by the love of the Jesus that they met that this love has welled up in them. Paul is so impressed by this church, by the way, that he mentions them in his second letter to the Corinthians. So let's read 2 Corinthians 8. It says, And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches in the midst of a very severe trial. I'm going to read that part again. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on, the, uh, entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord and by the will of God also to us. I can't imagine scraping together whatever they had, food or coins or what, whatever they had. And they said, they pled, they begged to give to the advancement of the gospel out of nothing. All they wanted to do was give because they'd been so struck by that love of Jesus. Now, in the case of the Macedonians, it would have been entirely appropriate to say, hey, look, we're really strapped for cash here. So if you could just come back another time, that'd be great. But they didn't. Paul says they pleaded and begged. Now, one could argue 
that in each of these stories, the story of the widow, the story of the lawyer, and the story of the churches in Macedonia, that they all, uh, they all gave, right? It's all about generosity, but not just generosity out of abundance, generosity out of tired desperation, loss, and poverty, and joy, which I just kept reading over, and I don't know how those fit. But in, the, but in the kingdom of God, they do. One person gives freely, yet gains even more. But more of what? Jesus and the kingdom of God. Um, one of my favorite heroes of faith is Jim Elliott, and I almost told his story. So if you don't know his story, go read it. He was a missionary that, um, he graduated from Wheaton and uh, had, a, had a heart to share with the unreached peoples of Ecuador. Um, but in one of his journals, he wrote, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And I'm gonna say that because I've been pondering this for 20 years. And it's, it's also like a Proverbs. It, it's a bit, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit puzzling. He, is, he or she is no fool who, give, who gives what they cannot keep to gain what they cannot lose. He understood what Jesus understood, that when you get the kingdom, nothing is too costly. I think a proverb about generosity, about giving freely, could also be a proverb about trust. Remember the widow and Elijah? Well, later, and you might know this story, but the, later, the widow's son fell ill and died. Can you imagine her anger? She had done everything the Lord asked her to do. She had fed his prophet, and now her son has fallen ill. After they, they have survived the famine, her son has followed ill, fallen ill and died. So Elijah was struck by this. He prays to God, and God raises her son. He's back. He's fine. That is not a bad trade-off. Some oil, flour, a little bread, you get your son back from the dead. That ain't bad. Um, but Ryan pointed out something that I'm still thinking about, and he pointed it out last week, and he said, the Proverbs are not a promise. They're not like these if-then statements. Um, they're not blessings, and it's because we are bound to this world, and we live in that already not yet kingdom. Yes, we are called to pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, but we are bound to this world. A few weeks ago, I had a coffee with a friend, David, and I was just sharing a little bit about my story. And if you have been around, you know, last year I was given the diagnosis of MS, and I really, this first year has been really, really, really hard. And so I was just sharing some of that with him, and he said something that was probably the most painfully comforting thing I have ever heard. He was like, Lindsay, I'm so sorry that you're suffering because of the brokenness of the world. I'm so sorry that you're suffering because the reality of our broken world. I mean, it's so true, isn't it? You, you have your own things, I'm sure, your own losses and desires and wants and needs and poverty of some sort. We've all experienced that. We've all suffered because the reality that we live on this side of heaven. So what happens when the dead isn't raised, when the sick aren't healed, 
And when what you give isn't replenished in the way that you are really counting on, well, Hebrews 11 reminds us that there are plenty of heroes of faith who were still living by that same faith when they died. They did not receive back the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance because instead they were longing for a better place, a better country, a heavenly one. And that's the guaranteed get here. I cannot promise anything today but what Jesus promises, and that is that we will get the kingdom. We will get the kingdom of God on this side or the other. It will come. It is coming. It is here now in many ways. But how in the world do we live like that? Like real talk. How do we have the faith of the widow of Horatio Spafford and the Macedonian church? I really do believe like it's through the absolute mystery of grace and the power of the spirit. And again, I say mystery because I do not understand it, but I have to count on it. That is through grace and the power of the spirit, the same spirit that was in Jesus, the same spirit in Jesus who we fix our eyes on for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame for the joy set before him. He saw it. So will you trust him? If a proverb about generosity could be a proverb about trust, can we trust him? Now, to be honest, I, can, I, I almost didn't include this in the talk, but I felt like a total phony giving this talk without telling you a little bit about my year. And some of my friends know this. You, I'm not, you know my student, my special, my special little girl this year that um, gave me a run for my money. Um, but I've been teaching about 20 years, and I, let me just preface this with, I have taught boys in the South Bronx, but this little girl from Park Slope with bows in her hair about took me down every day. <laughs> every day. And you know it, because some of you, I texted for prayer throughout the day. And this was particularly hard. I mean, it particularly hard for me it, on many, many levels, but mainly because it was off the back of years of grief, loss, suffering, a new diagnosis and sickness that I was dealing with on a daily basis. And if I'm honest, probably a little bit of depression. And here we go. I was thinking like, oh, this is going to be my, this is going to be my year of Jubilee, self-proclaimed, not prophesied over me, but I, I was, I was just, you know, calling it down with all my heart. This is going to be my year of rest. No, it was not a year of rest at all. It was a year of grace and there were moments of beauty, but overall it was really, really hard. And I was really, really, really angry um, because... I, and I would try to place blame, like I, I would try to find a place for my blame to fit on people and places and situations. And ultimately I felt God say, aren't I the person you wanna take this up with? So I, so I was honest quite often. I'm like, how could you do this this year? Why not three years ago? Why not five years ago? Why not when I was 25 and full of energy? Why now? when an outburst or a violent scream or 
you know, a situation could throw me into a flare up that would paralyze me or take out the rest of my vision. These are the prayers I was having in the morning. How could you do this? How could you ask this of me? I am still, still reconciling that. As, and I stand before you now, the school year is done, hallelujah. <laughs> <Woo! laughs> but I'm still reconciling, God, how could you ask me to love this kid who I know needs my love, but I do not have anything left. So, I don't know. I'm still learning. I've not learned it yet. I'm still learning what Horatio Spafford already learned and what he knew on that boat, that Jesus is my portion. He is our portion. And that we can give from that portion. And the great news is that portion does not run dry. I couldn't help but think, reading the, uh, the story of the widow and Elijah, thinking about the woman at the well who asked Jesus for a drink of water. He's like, if you knew who I was, you would ask me for living water. That never runs dry. His portion, his portion never runs dry, and he is our portion. That is, that is a scriptural promise. He's no fool. She's no fool who gives what they cannot keep to gain what they cannot lose. So look, I don't know what the Spirit might be saying. Most of the sermon, to be quite honest, was for my own heart. <laughs> but I do also believe that the Spirit is, has, it wants to speak to some of you and may have been already speaking to some of you, but I'm certain of one thing, He does speak. So I'd love to spend time just in some silence. Um, and if you com feel comfortable, you can just open your hands out in a posture of receiving. Holy Spirit, we know that you are here and you're moving among us. However you want us to respond, whatever you want us to learn from this wisdom you've given us to give free, we give freely and we gain everything, all the more. What do you want to teach us? Would you come would you speak to our hearts? And Ben can come up if you guys are ready. And as I was praying this weekend, I, I did think that maybe um, there are some of you that resonated with the story of Horatio Spafford, where you might feel like God is calling you to do something or he's asking something of you after you just have lost a lot. And maybe you've tried places, uh, tried to find places to store your blame. And he's here and he's like, why don't you take it up with me? And my sense here, it was really strongly, I've sensed really strongly that this is not any um, moment of condemnation or shame. It's one of comfort. He wants you to come to him because he wants to comfort your heart because he is our prince of peace. And maybe he's telling some of you and asking some of you to begin to think about giving in ways that seem impossible, maybe tangible things, maybe intangible things. And that might mean to trust him. But a friend pointed out to me, this is 
fascinating that God a lot of times tells us not to, uh, not to test him. Do not test the Lord your God. Do not put the Lord your God to the test, except for one place, and that is giving financially. He says, test me in this and see if I do not bless you beyond all, imagine, all things imaginable. He literally says, test me. So maybe some of you want to take him up on that today. And then the final group, and this is kind of connected, but kind of, I, I don't know, but I just felt strongly that Spirit may be speaking to those of you who feel like you have come to the end of a marathon and you are exhausted, but you look up and you are at a starting line again. There's been no rest. There's been no carb load. You are at the starting line again. Maybe it's because of loss or change or disappointment. Maybe it's just from exhaustion. But one of the things I love about uh, the person in the Bible, Job, is that he is one of the most generous uh, people. But he doesn't necessarily give financially. He gives up himself. He just remains faithful. And God takes care of the rest. And so I just want to offer... Um, this up, that if you feel like you are starting something new and the wind is at your front, that God wants to blow the wind at your back by the power of the Spirit. So would you stand up, uh, everyone stand at your feet if you're able. If you're not, stay seated, please. The posture of our bodies don't matter, only the posture of our hearts. Jesus, you are not only our portion, but you are the portion that we can share with others, the living water that never runs dry. You love this church. You see every effort that is hidden. You see every effort that is from the front stage. You see it all. And you long to bless your people. And you long to call them into and to participate with you in the kingdom coming here in Brooklyn as it is in heaven. So if you, um, yeah, if any of those things pertain to you, we'll just make your way out of your seats and come to the front. The prayer ministry will be here, uh, ready to pray for you. Or if you need anything at all, healing for your body, for your mind, for your soul, if you wanna intercede on behalf of your family, or your friends, or if you just need prayer, invite you to come. Holy Spirit, we welcome you in this place. So make your way to the front. We would love to pray for you.